3: What I'd like to do is to take from that information some truths that you might be able to take home with you about when we're greeting people what about people instead of just seeing them as a name in a church directory or a telephone book or in a whole litany of names on a Facebook page why don't you look at them and the kind of people that they were so the first one he says remember the women in ministry and he goes over a couple of verses about a gal named Phoebe and how that this woman was used of god perhaps had the gift of leadership it was used in a way to really influence many people and so when i look at her i think of you women who are in ministry and it doesn't mean that you have to have a podium to teach from or have to be a great writer or have a group around you but the very fact that you've chosen to live your life purposely to influence others even in the feminine context you are a great woman and so at that particular point Paul is remembering those that are not just doing ministry, but are kind of known for doing church-type ministry to remember them. He then moves in verses 3 through verse 5, and he talks about those who are married. And he lists a couple there, Priscilla and Aquila. That's a fine couple to look in Scripture, because you're going to see that they really work together. Interestingly, though, the wife is mentioned first, so she might have had more of a dominant personality. Not wrong, not, not right. It's just that's the way that they came together. Have you known that opposites attract, don't they? And then they attack. And then they learn how to attach, all right? And I think Priscilla and Aquila probably were at that last phase. They've learned how to attach and do ministry well together. And they did such a great ministry, helping people to be able to communicate the word of God even more clearly. So I look at you and I look at those of you that open up your home to a home ministry making sure the home is looking nice making sure the material is together making sure that while you're there that you're purposely trying to bring people hopefully to another level in their walk with the lord grace to grace whether you work together with our children or whether you work together in our music wherever it might be that you try to find a ministry that husband and wife can work together i think at times it'll really make you stronger and better when you do that because together you're knowing more about the ministry that each of you are called to together rather than having to catch people up other mates because they're in another ministry now sometimes you have to separate and do other things i don't teach carol's bible study that she does with the ladies and the ladies say amen thank you all right but the bottom line is we still serve together and we're able to share that so maybe you might want to think about doing that and have a conversation with your wife or your husband and see what he might he the lord might have you do together and take baby steps as you do that one little step don't just come to church usually and go home usually come back usually next week but not go to that next level. I'm telling you, God has divinely designed you for some great things that you can do. He's given you spiritual gifts, personalities, abilities, experiences, even a a passion for things. So talk it out as a couple. But then we go in verses 5 through verse 16. He goes over. I call him give greetings to our friends. You know, remember our friends. And these may not be necessarily a husband or wife. They very well could be. And this list is very long. And so as I went through this list and further in another list we'll talk about in just a moment. I didn't put up the kind of people that Paul is remembering. And what I'm going to go through is this list of the kinds of people that they were. And I'd like you to look at that list and say, you know what that tells me? That the Lord is interested in. Technicolor. He likes things all different shapes and sizes, young and old. They are all in different kinds of walks of life that God can use you, whatever walk of life that you're in. And so he says, Give greetings to those people. And then you could talk about fellow servants, those that have went the other mile to help someone else. But here they are. Listen to this list. We already mentioned a couple women in ministry. You had married couples serving the Lord together. In fact, a couple times it mentioned entire households. That served the Lord together. Where the entire home got together and said, what can we do as a family to impact our community for Christ? Then you had twins. We think they could have been twin sisters. And you know how twins can function in a family. And then you had, a, and this is very interesting, a mother and a son. We don't know what happened to the dad. He might have left. He might have died. He might have been murdered, killed, persecuted. We don't see any other brothers or siblings or sisters. It's just a mother and a son. Sometimes when you look at a mother and a son, you have a lot of wonderful thoughts. Is the son taking care of the mother? Or maybe is the mother taking care of the adult son? Or what's really going on? The point of the matter wasn't just each were there for each other. They were that. But each were there for each other so that together, mother, son, could have an impact for Christ. So whatever your relationship family-wise, whatever you have left, together talk about what can we do together rather than just attending church. And that's a big deal. And faithfulness is even more but at the same time, can we do more than just attend? So we have a mother and son. Then we have groups of businessmen. There's a whole section there, one little verse where all these guys are all together. So I'm going to assume, I, I may be taking too much of a stretch on this, but it's possible that whether they were a team or whether they were all buddies or whether that they were in business together, the point of the matter was it's a group of guys that were used of the Lord. So maybe some of you guys have your old buddies. And together you might come, whether it's a small group, men's ministry, or you guys go fishing together or surfing together, or whatever it might be, that maybe one of your conversations may not be how they biting, how big the waves? It might be a little bit, what can we do together? Maybe we could have our own little ball team, invite others on the team so they can see Christianity through us and maybe open up a conversation and then together bridge into the community. So again, it was a group of guys getting together. And then honestly, there's some names in here I couldn't find anything about them. Were they rich, poor? I don't know. They're just names that he's mentioning. So I'd like to simply say they're the unknowns. And there are going to be some unknowns. Some will perhaps be elevated by the Lord. I don't mean elevated in importance, but elevated in notoriety. That they might have the spotlight thrown on them. They might be put in front of kings to be able to speak. And then there'll be others that they're not. And I think, frankly, there are a lot more of those unknowns in Christianity than there are those that are known. But the unknowns do not mean that they're less important in any way than those who are known. I think about the time that I've had surgery in my life. I knew who my doctor was, certainly. I knew who my surgeon was. I might have known some of his support staff, but I didn't know who wrapped the bandages. I didn't know who worked to keep the electricity going. I I didn't know who was in certain There are unknowns to me. But I'm here today not because of just the skilled hands of the surgeon. But I'm here today because of the unknowns, and so are you. The point of the matter is, these people were known enough to Paul that he knew their names. So at least we could know each other's names. Secondly, they had some kind of a significance in an area that he hadn't been to yet. Because he said, greet them who are there with you in Rome. And he's in Corinth. So greet those. So somehow he had his ears open to those and what they're doing out there. He knew their names. And something impressed him. But the Lord didn't want to put down there what they did. And I think it was a reason. Because sometimes we don't know what you do, but we have to accept you where you are and applaud you and celebrate that. So then you had those that are the unknowns. Then you had his own personal secretary, because you'll read in there a guy by the name of, however you want to pronounce it, tertius or tertius, it doesn't really matter. It matters that this guy did the writing of Romans underneath the dictation of Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So whatever this guy wrote, it had to be as accurate as what he was, as Paul was getting from the Lord, because that would turn into holy writ at that time. And we know that Paul perhaps had a very strong eye uh, problem, uh, and that, that's tough, so you need someone else to maybe do your writing. So he had a secretary. So some of you that think that you're not very important, you very well may be doing the very thing that'll change the entire direction of a ministry. And you might just say, I'm, I'm just a secretary. It, it doesn't really matter. I just fill out paperwork. One decimal point as you turn in a form could bring the government down on you like a hammer. So you're not just a secretary. You are important to the Lord. And then I see a pastor in there, a young pastor. He mentions Timothy. He was discipling him, mentoring him. We knew that, past, that Timothy eventually was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So there's a pastor in there. And then there was a, a guy who hosted the church. Now, when we think of hosting a church, you might think of somebody who owned property, built this big church building, and now he says, you church, you can use it. I'm going to rent it back to you. That's not what it was in the New Testament. In the New Testament was... It was simply, we want to gather together. Where is there a safe place that we can come together for fellowship, security, worship? And why don't you come to my house? It's a little bit bigger. It's not so boxed up. So you come and I'm going to host it, meaning that my house will be ready for you to come. You're not going to have to clean it off, fix it all up. I'll be here. And when you're here, I'm going to make sure that you feel, here it is, welcome. He was like the king of ho'okipa, as we would say here in Hawaii. He just took charge of that. So maybe that's what you, I can't teach the word, I can't preach, can't sing, can't dig a ditch, can't clean the bathrooms, but God gave me this house. Come on in, and when you come, it'll be clean. You're not going to have to do anything, we just loving each other, care for each other, encourage one another, learn the word, and go back out, and make a mark for God. So maybe that's you. So he was a host. And here's an interesting, he's actually, this guy, he's known as a city treasurer, So even in the midst of thinking Rome was all filled and every Roman person in government was just blasting down on Christians for persecution and there was a lot of that going on because that was encouraged. uh, Reality was they weren't all that way. He was in government, government worker all right, And yet he was someone that Paul would address, say be sure to greet him city treasurer. I wonder how many are in our own government that are feeling very alone out there that are Christians and we don't greet them, we kind of We throw the government under the bus. The government is nothing more than people and more in this general conversation, those that are running the government, we throw every one of them under the bus and they're struggling as well. And they might need a greeting from us, a word of encouragement, an attaboy. And on the other hand, if you are in government, are you a secret servant, Christian? Are you gonna go a little public with your faith when and where you can, and legitimately and ethically and morally, legally? And then he had another group which would be just slaves. These are just the nobody slaves. How they got to be slaves could have been they were conquered by the Romans, slaves. They could have been enslaved because they were indebted in slaves. They could have been slaves because of whatever reason, family slaves. That's all they could do, sell themselves out as a slave. Who knows? So that then gave me two other groups that I'm going to surmise would be in this. And I think you'll agree with me. So let's still speculate here, but I think we're in a good place. That would tell me that as he looked at the church, he saw wealthy people and he saw poor people. He saw name people, he saw no name people. So when I look at you and you look at me, we look at one another, we're all in the family of God. Not once did he say, I really like this guy over here. You be sure to say hi to him. He's really walking with the Lord. He never once said they're walking with the Lord. He just said what they did. He didn't qualify them on their spiritual maturity level on a quotient of how far they've been or how much of, or how long they prayed or whatever it was. He just identified them basically as this. They're doing the best best they can with what they got, where they are, for the glory of God. And he let God, the Holy Spirit, begin to work with them. He let the word of God that he was then teaching them begin to transform them from the inside out. And I think that's a great lesson as I look at the Apostle Paul to give greetings to one another. So maybe um, what you might do is start looking at groups of people and not see them as good or bad, tall or short, thin or otherwise. You want to look at people as just, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. They have value. And if the most I can do is just greet them, I'll do that. Well, he ends with that greeting to others. With a little bit of a doxology here, you know, he says all churches greet you, greet one another, I guess you wouldn't call that so much a doxology, but a a fact of basically saying, um, don't forget them, we don't forget you, we're all in this family together. The only little tangent I want to go off with that is this, and that is that as I look at this crowd here today, without bringing anybody's name, I know that some of you probably are already involved in another church somewhere else. And I want you to know that from our perspective here, it's not we're in, you're out. It's not who's in and who's out of this thing. It's like we're all in the family of God if we've trusted Christ as our personal Savior. It doesn't matter what the tag is, whether you're a Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran. What does matter is if you placed your faith alone in Christ because it's all about Christ. One wag said this. He says, if it's all about tags, when you go up, those tags will blow off. If you go down, they'll burn off. So it really doesn't matter the tag. What matters is if you trusted Christ as Savior. And I think when we do that, we might see that even on our island here in Oahu, that there are a lot more Christians here. And so we need to come together and encourage one another, not compromise doctrine, not compromise truth and Christian life experiences, but at the same time, give understanding and acceptance as the Apostle Paul did. Because later on, you're going to see not only did he say give greetings to those that are in Rome. He's also then bringing with him in his letter greetings from us who here are in Corinth, uniting two churches, two cities but underneath one God for the same purpose of bringing glory to the Lord and global evangelism. And so we can work together with that. Well, we leave that because now he goes into something that almost like a sandwich technique here. He does say this. He says, give distance to divisive people. Now, remember, as he's getting this message from the Lord and it's going through his personality and all the ways that God made him. And he's now saying this to his secretary, recording all of this, that the Lord is now saying this. And yes, it's to Rome, but it's also by extension to us. So while you have this lovey-dovey good feeling going on, you also have something else. Hey, you like that joy? You like that good feeling? And let me ask you, how, how many of you have the opportunity to come to any of our Jubilee events, whether it was Friday night or Saturday at the banquet or Sunday for the installation here or last week at camp? How many of you had an opportunity to do that? Would you raise your hand? If you had a good time, say, Amen. Oh, that's great. You had a great time, most of you. Now, if you felt left out, I want you to know that you are no longer left out. This is the last of the Jubilee, so you're still a part of it, okay? Now, that being said, though, you know what can take away this joy? Is when you have someone who comes into your life who begins to chip away at that which you believed, that which you sensed as a core value of your your belief system. And so Paul
1: was really warning this.
3: And I think he was warning it for a lot of different reasons. And I'm going to read this to you in a moment. One of it is, is because he spent a great deal of time pouring his life into the people he loved. He loved those people. And he didn't want the truth that he gave to those people, that he was motivated by love to give to them, to be stolen from them by false teaching. So that implies this. That no matter how great these people are that he is now writing to, how much he wants to greet them and all the nice things he said about them, he also realized that they were raw meat. They were tender lambs for any wolf or any false teacher to come in. And yeah, he'd feel like part of his ministry was wasted because these people followed the false teacher. But more than that, he was concerned with what the false teaching could do to the people who had sound teaching, but then walked away from it and followed false teaching. So now as I look at that, I think, could that happen to you and to me? I think it could. Let's go back to the Bible days for a moment. You remember what I said? He got the message. He then quoted it to his secretary. His secretary wrote it. It's possible she rolled it up into a, or he rolled it up into a scroll, gave it to a lady by the name of Phoebe, and she then took it to Rome. I get that, okay? Today, all we have to do to communicate is to take out our phone. How many of you are on Facebook? Raise your hand. You can admit it. Okay. Friend the church, if you will. All right. That's what you want to do. But beyond all that, you got Snapchat in here. you got Twitter in here. you got a whole bunch of ways to communicate to one another. How many of you like Facebook in the way that you can get messages out and hear messages from others? Do you like that? Raise your hand. I, I, I kind of like it. I, I don't really get a chance to go on it as much as many of you might. And that's fine for you and fine for me. Just I don't get a chance to do that. But my, is this helpful. You you wouldn't believe how many people I can communicate in a split second globally just through this little internet, social media, we'll just generalize it, social media. I love that. The problem is false teaching can also get out just as fast as the truth can and can infect more people at one time than even in the days of the Apostle Paul. How long do you think it took to get a letter from Corinth uh, to maybe to Rome? I, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. But I know if he was living today and he used Facebook or an email or a Simple little text, it'd be right there. And false teachers, right there, right there, right there. So if it was important in Paul's day, when the church was now being planted, they're being formalized now, they're now starting to grow, things are starting to happen, and this is going to be the movement for the world of the church, how important that was, it's got to be just as important today because while the church was being formed, he didn't want it to be destroyed in its formation because the seeds of a, of the, of a failure of a ministry are planted in its inception, and he didn't want that to happen. We have to be important today. See, as important today the preservation of what he was beginning to propagate in those days, and that's why sound teaching is essential. Would you look at your Bible for just a moment? Because I want you to see verse sixteen. Excuse me, verse seventeen through verse twenty. Divisive people. Divisive people. He says, "Now I urge you." And if it's your Bible, underline that. It's all of a sudden he moves away from greet this and greet her, or, greet him, greet a hey, hug one another, licky, kissy, facey. Now he goes to, now I urge you, brotherhood. Keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn. That's quite interesting. Keep your eyes on. You know what that word is? It doesn't mean take a glance, it doesn't mean kind of look out, be, be aware, know that they're out there somewhere. That word is the word scope. You ever look under a microscope? When I was in high school, um, I took a science class, and uh, we had all this stuff that we had to look at under a microscope, but I did a lot of surfing, and I would get a lot of sunburn. And when after the sunburn blister popped, you'd have all this dead skin. How many of you know what I'm talking about, this dead skin? And of course, I'm gross anyway. You're still, you know, I'm just, so i peel off my dead skin, and I wanted to see what it looked like under a microscope. Do that sometime, Okay. <clears throat> And it, it just like it's everything the science book showed you It would look like It's the same thing That's dead skin Well that word scope could be anything from a telescope That takes things that are very distant And bring them closer to you Or microscopes so that you can really see The fine tuning of all that's in there Now that being said That means that we have to be aware There are false teachers We have to have our ears open To the fact that the false teaching Can easily get into our minds and hearts Right here in this church Now how does it do that? Well, radio, TV, literature, all sorts of media like DVD. But I'm gonna tell you that false teaching isn't gonna come from some weird guy, some weird gal that's out there. False teaching is very much similar to what turns your sons and daughters onto drugs. You say, what does that mean? Your son or daughter that might get kicked into the drug culture, It's not going to be because because some guy in a trench coat behind some tree comes out and says,
4: come over here and take some drugs.
3: Your kids are going to know. Uh, 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 uh. You know who's going to turn them on to drugs? Their friends. The ones that they trust. The ones that they hang with. They go to the beach with. They play ball with. They sit with in class. They hang out at the mall. Those are the kind of people. Now, I don't mean to get scared of all your kids' friends, but scope them out. Okay, back to this. So the same way, where's false teaching going to come into our church? It could come from the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person next to you, even up here. So no matter who you are and where you're with, you and I are always responsible for the understanding of sound teaching and to be aware of the false teaching and then move in the direction of sound teaching, but to be aware of the false teaching and stay away from that. Now, how do I make sure that I got sound teaching? You need to go to the book. That's why this church has chosen not to give you three points of poem and a hula. This church has chosen to teach you the word of God, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. Now, not all in one Sunday, of course, but everything that they do, they're going to teach you the book so you know the book. They're going to provide you vetted out teachers in small groups and Sunday schools and teach with your children that they know sound doctrine. They're going to monitor them so that that takes place. They're going to look through the literature. They're going to evaluate it. They're not trying to control you. It's not a cult. All they're doing is simply obeying God, doing what God tells them to do to make sure that on you on the other side, you're responsible eventually for what you choose to believe. And you'll have to give an account of that at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where it counts the most. So you come back here and you've got to learn sound doctrine. And that's why I want you to know sound doctrine is easy to learn. you got the Spirit, you got the Word, you got people who know it. But be very careful that you don't have someone come into your life who will cause dissensions. And you'll know that. Divisiveness of a small group, divisiveness with a couple couples that are meeting privately, etc., that now start talking against what we're already taught, abandoning that. Just be careful. It says, contrary to the teaching which you learn, which means these are people who already had sound teaching, probably were already Christians, And yet now, they didn't leave their salvation, but they left the foundations of which they have built upon, which is the gospel and the word of God. Let's go a little bit further. It says, and turn away from them. Now, when you read that, that is a very interesting phrase. It says, turn away from them. Notice what it doesn't say. I want you to look at those who are causing dissensions and hindrances and engage them to correct them. Oddly enough, in this one passage, it doesn't say to do that. Other times, it does say to speak forth the truth, etc. But in this situation, it's a little different. Now look up here. Let me see if I can clearly explain it. When you have someone that is so solid in what they want to teach, and they're rock solid in that, and they're causing divisions by what they're saying in your midst, then it says get away from them. If they're on the outside of your fellowship, you might want to engage them. And I say might, but be very, very careful if you do. If they're teaching ignorantly, they're not causing divisions. They're just ignorant in their truth. What do you do? You engage them. Where's my model on that? same chapter Aquila and Priscilla had a man who was teaching doctrine that was different than what Paul was teaching Aquila and Priscilla took that man a great orator a great speaker Apollos privately and taught him the Word of God more accurately Apollos was not one who dug his heels and this is what I believe you're wrong and I'm gonna teach you guys how wrong you were he was very teachable and he listened to Aquila and Priscilla and later on if you follow Apollos' life you're gonna see that he clarified his doctrine
2: You are listening to Make It Clear. If today's message helped you to better understand God's Word, let me encourage you to be with us next time. Or go to our website, makeitclear.org, for more resources. If Stan's biblical teaching is helping you to understand God's word more clearly and to apply it to your life each day, please remember, this ministry is listener supported. You can become a partner with Make It Clear and take this teaching to other believers around the world by making a tax-deductible donation to Make It Clear box six zero seven nine zero one, Orlando, Florida, 32860, or you may do so securely online at MakeItClear.org. On behalf of Dr. Stan Bonds, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College, thanks for
4: listening and invite a friend to join you next time for Make It Clear. Partly cloudy, 75 degrees at 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Where faith comes by hearing such fine ministries as Stan Pons and make it clear. A local Orlando ministry, and if it has been a blessing to you, let him know that. All the information on the ministry is right there at TheWordOrlando.com. That's TheWordOrlando.com. Well, I hope you're staying dry. I think most of the rain is kind of ended by now. AccuWeather in just a moment, let you know what that forecast is going to be like. How would you like to see the Holy Land with your own eyes? The very places that thread the festive tapestry of the beloved stories of the Bible. Well, now you can. Experience Israel this November for nine days. You'll discover Galilee, the Jordan Valley, and many other biblically historical sites. It will be an adventure, a trip you will never forget. Experience Israel this year and find out more about this at TheWordOrlando.com. That's TheWordOrlando.com. Coming up next at 6, in touch, Dr. Charles Stanley, is anger a sin? Well, it is when you allow it to digress into bitterness and revenge. Learn how to handle anger when you listen in. In touch, Dr. Charles Stanley, next at 6 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word being a published author. I love running a kindergarten
5: store. I love my teachers. Geneva has felt like home for our family since we enrolled our first child as a kindergartner seven years ago. Hi, I'm Shelley Schaefer, mom of a fifth and sixth grader at the Geneva School. Irish poet William Yates once said, education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a fire. Geneva seeks to instill in each student a lifelong love of learning in an environment where students are encouraged to create, discover, ask, wonder, feel, and Listen, we could not be more pleased with the education that our children are receiving.
0: Come explore Geneva. You're invited to the Geneva School Open House for the 2017 2018 school year. It's at 9 a.m. February 28th at the Geneva School Early Childhood Campus. That's at 7540 Grand Avenue in Winter Park. You can RSVP right away at 407 332 6363. 407 332 6363. Or simply go
1: online to genevaschool.org. I want to show you how you can be sure to retire with all the money you need. Hi, I'm Troy Peterson with Palmabella Consulting. You've played by the financial rules all your life. The problem is these rules are designed to make money for the banks and not for you. Well, now it's time to turn the tables so you can be sure to have all the money you need to retire. I want to show you how. We use a proven method for certain growth and tax-free income. We use the same system many big banks use to fund their pension plans. Plus, I'll show you how to pay off your mortgage, credit cards, business loans, and medical Debt in a fraction of the time of your current plan. You need to know more? And I want to show you how. Visit Palmabella.com and schedule a free no obligation assessment today. It's simple, and I want to show you how. I want to show you how you can be sure you'll retire with all the money you need. Visit Palmabella.com and schedule a free no obligation assessment today. I'm Troy Peterson and I want to show you how you can be sure you'll retire with all the money you need. But you have to visit Palmabella.com and get started today.
5: Legal representation is often about personal values. Hello, I'm Karen Eastry, attorney. For probate, estate planning, divorce, adoption, guardianship, issues concerning children and the aged, call me at the law offices of Alper and Eastry at 407-869-0900. I am a lawyer who not only speaks for you, I share your values with the experience, energy, and enthusiasm to represent you effectively. My ultimate goal is to help you reach a satisfactory conclusion to your legal problems, to find peace, and to be able to move on with your life. Call me, Karen Eastry at 407-869-0900 or visit my firm's website, altamontlaw.com. My office is conveniently located in Altamont Springs, close to I-4. So call today to make sure you have someone by your side at 407-869-0900. Offices, Altamont Springs.
0: 94.9 FM, NAM 950. Central Florida's WTLN Orlando. The word where faith comes by hearing.